Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Okay, let's see. I, I was looking for some pictures today on the internet, and I found a good video. <laughs> so I'm going to show a little bit of that. But I want first of all, I'll tell you what kind of guy Reese Hall Reese Howell was. Reese Howells. It's a, as Daniel says, it's an S on Howell. <laughs> Reese Howell. Um, and what I did was I put them in this beautiful, big, large print. <laughs> so you have uh, you have handouts that are very tiny somewhere, but we're, we're, Daniel is going to put them on the screen. Now this is this is Reese Howell and his son. His son began to um, began to take over the college that he built. I'm just going to talk about the colleges. He he actually he bought four houses, and I'll tell you they're they're huge houses. I'll tell you that. And he didn't have any money, and he had a he, I think he had a 12th grade education. So here's a man, but one thing he could do really well is hear from God. When God spoke, he heard it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, let me read that first first line. Go to the next slide, and we'll. I didn't do my little thing, Daniel. But as they got down to pray, the Lord said to them, be careful how you pray. I'm going to build a college and build it through you. Isn't that? Now, fortunately, God hasn't told me that. Uh, in some places, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, he has a college out there in the West. And he, he's, it, Oral Roberts, yeah. Oral Roberts didn't know anything about building building a college either. And uh, God says, you're going to build a college, and he did. Now it's Oral Roberts University, and I'm pretty large, and God, God has done it all. Um, Race had about, uh, it, he didn't have any money. He had about $2. $2 in his pocket, but he could hear God. So God says, do it. And, and he says, I don't know if I have enough he went up. He went up to Black Mountain. Now go ahead, flip, flip it. And I'll show you where Black Mountain is. This is Black Mountain. <laughs> I got a, a picture of, of Black Mountains uh, out, of, out of the video. We're going to show later on. But it uh, it's in Wales. Yeah, he, he said, uh, have you ever saw, uh, what's that, Sergeant York, where he goes that, against the mountain there, and he's looking out, it's just kind of like that. He, uh, on, he, uh, went to, he went to ask God about that, and he said, he said the second slide, slide said, they had no idea where the college was supposed to be, but like Abraham, they went out not knowing whether they went. So he didn't, he didn't know anything about building a college. And he didn't even know where to God wanted it. But, uh, okay. Him and his wife were walking down the road. I, 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 tell, I tell this story to people. 
because I've read it three, four times. And each, uh, this woman I'm going to show you all has read it six times. So if you've already read the book, read it again. <laughs> and you will find stuff in there that you didn't realize. Here's a man, and I think the most important thing is he heard from God. He was able to discern what God was telling him. I put him up in there with uh, John the Baptist, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Reese Howe. Uh, he did what he was told. And he, and he, he and sometimes, one time God told him to do something, and he, he said, God, I can't do that. By, and he said, do it by 6 o'clock. <laughs> so five till six came along and Reese House says, hey, I don't know. I can't do this, God. He said, well, do you want me to help you? He said, yep, please help me. So he did. <laughs> I don't know what it was he had to do, but um, look, the, look at the next one. I think it's a slide of a, of a picture. Yeah, he had no idea about that part. That, yeah, they all say buying the first estate. This, this whole, I got about seven slides on buying the estate because it was really amazing. And he had two shillings. Now, he said he, he would probably have to do $10,000. And I think this is on number four on your sheet. If you look at number four, uh, he, uh, he, he had 10,000 pounds. And I, I wish they would translate this into English money, but it's $14,000 today. Now, that's, today would be 140000 probably, but uh, I, I did it again today, and uh, for $20,000, it ended up being $1 million. So 20,000 pounds equals, in 1904, is a million dollars today. That makes sense? So $10,000 would be about 50,000, 10,000 pounds, yeah. Yeah, 500,000, that's right, yeah. That's, so I wish it was, in, it was English money, I'd understand it, but it's very difficult to do. Well, he found out who, who uh, number four is where we're at, Daniel. You see number four? What a mansion it looked like to me. So he's walking along this road, and I'll just tell the story. And he saw this beautiful mansion. And God says, you go buy it. He said, what? I don't have any money, God. <laughs> so for $2, you're not going to do it, right? So he went up to the, he said he just kind of went up to the house, and, and there was a gardener there. And he said to the gardener, who owns this house? It's empty. I mean, nobody's living in it. And he said, well... Uh, Mr. Edwards owns this house, and, and he wants to sell it. But the Catholics, now, if you've got a Catholic background, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not tearing them down, but uh, he didn't like Catholics. <laughs> so the Catholics were on, on, in the enemy's camp at that time, and uh, they were doing a lot for the devil. Not, so the Catholics had, had, had offered 10,000 pounds for this house. Reese Howe didn't have any money, and God told him, don't pay any more than 6,300. 6,300, this is on number six. And I've numbered them so you can see it. 
Mr. Edwards made him an offer of 6,300 pounds. This is also in, uh, in Wales. 6,300 pounds. And uh, he said, I thought, I thought he would have asked more than that, said Mrs. Howe, Mr. Howe, and meant to accept his offer, but the Lord says no. It was a talent of gold, I promise you, at 6,150 is a talent. So he said, don't, and not a penny more. So he told him, well, 150 is not much, but it's, I don't want you paying any more than 6,150. And he heard that good from God. God says, that's, but a talent, I didn't realize that talents is, is a lot of money. But um, I stood against God a second. I showed my attitude towards him, but he didn't say another word, and I knew I wouldn't dare disobey. <laughs> All right, number seven is the next one. I told God that he had called me to fight the Church of Rome, and here he was quibbling over 150 pounds, but he turned his back on me. Hadn't I claimed Glenderwin? That's the name of the place. I, I can't, anybody say it? Glenderwin? Didn't I believe then that the Catholics would get it? <laughs> no. If the battle had been won in Scotland, could the Holy Spirit ever allow Mr. Edwards to sell the property to anyone else? In other words, God told him, that's, going, that's yours. The Catholics had offered 10,000 pounds for it. He said, no, they're not going to get it. Because God told me I'm going to get it. And isn't that something? So if you hear from God, sometimes it can be hard. <laughs> sure. Favorite what? Yeah, I showed the picture of that. Oh, I see what you're saying. Well, it was his quiet. It was the quiet, peaceful scene. He saw. He saw the beauty of the Lord, and I think that's that's what happens when you go. Have you ever prayed in a lonely place? Most most of us have. <laughs> you get out there, and if you're looking down over a oh, beautiful country, it just I don't know. It just does something for your prayer life. <laughs> it, and uh, I keep mentioning that movie, Sergeant York. Have you ever seen that movie? He is, uh, he told, he's a conscientious objector in World War I. And he said, I'm not shooting anybody. And then they wouldn't even let, he said, I'm not even shooting the gun. And they finally convinced him to shoot at targets. And he shot right through the middle. I bet his grandson was my roommate in college. <laughs> so I was able to see him. And, uh, I said, can he really shoot? He said, yeah, he'd shoot the eyes out of birds. <laughs> and he went on a mountain and decided whether or not to go to war, even though he would never shoot his gun. And uh, that's happened with uh, another man. He, uh, he was uh, in a war, but he, and he said he would never shoot his gun, but he did shoot it. So he finally shot the war. So he did, he decided all his buddies are getting killed. So it's, you know, he did, it's, it's a lesser two evils to go out and kill them. 
So that's what he did. But when he went on that mountain, he, did, he, he settled it with God. He said, I'll do what you ask me to do, even though I don't like it. <laughs> that's what he did. And going to this Mr. Edwards, he, I wrote Mr. Edwards and told him quite plainly that it was much harder for me to refuse his offer of 6,300 pounds than accept it. But God had said not to go above 6,150. He had an offer back of 6,300. Yeah, and the Catholics, and, he, and, and they had the money, 10,000 pounds. They could have, they, he could have sold it to them. But he didn't. God wouldn't let him. He, he's amazing. So he confirmed his word to me. And I had a letter by returning, by return saying he would drop the price 500 pounds. He refused to make a single penny on it. Now, what it says in the books is he couldn't sleep. <laughs> God was bugging him so much that he couldn't sleep. And yeah. Mr. Edwards couldn't sleep, so he said, God, so God, I, I guess he heard from God too, because <laughs> he, he knocked it down 500 pounds. That's what he, he didn't want to make any money off of it. He just wanted to get it done, so he, he knocked it down. Okay, the, the, he, he was okay with, with getting it, but then he had to come up with the money. And number nine, that's slide number nine, says, but the real battle came over the full sum to be paid. He had never dealt in large amounts before. Here was a guy, two shillings is all he had in his pocket. Now, I don't know what a shilling is, but I, it's close to a dollar. It's less than a pound. <laughs> it 20 shillings per pound. It's not much money. It's like a couple of quarters, maybe. I don't know, but it's not much yeah, he, he didn't know what he's going to do. And uh, so he gave himself the prayer, spending his days at a little upstairs bedroom in his mother's home, alone with God, from 6 a.m. to 5 p.m. Now, you talk about prayer. That's long prayer. When he took his first meal, in evenings he, he continued in prayer with his newfound partner, prayer Tommy Howells, Ten months were spent in that way until victory was complete. So in ten months, he put he gave the money back, paid for the the, the, the whole estate in ten months, and he prayed, and that's how he got his money. Um, <laughs> it shows you how prayer is powerful. Huh? Came in the mail, most of it, but. He never, I don't know if you know anything about Mueller. Mueller was about 100 years before Reese Howe. And he was English. And he took care of orphans. And he said, they're going to have two shirts. They're going to have two pair of pants. They're going to have underwear. I don't know how many. And uh, if they don't have them, I'm quitting. But God provided all of it for him. And he ended up with 10,000 orphans. Oh, they would sit around the prayer. One time they, I read a book about Mueller. <laughs> he was a good guy. He was a, a really good, good guy. He, he said, okay, there's 20 kids. And he said, get in a circle at the table and pray. So they sat down, they prayed, knock on the door. The milkman says, I got this milk. I can't get rid of it. It's going to spoil. You guys want it. They took it. 
So he said, well, we got milk. Now that's all we got. So they started praying again. And pretty soon they had, they had something else. I don't know what it was, but it wasn't milk. And it was bread. Yeah, I think it was bread. So, and they just prayed for it and got it. And then one time his, his uh, boiler went down. And he, it, wouldn't, it was cold outside. It was back in the, it was the 40s outside. And uh, the heater didn't work. They had these uh, radiator heaters. And uh, he said, okay, let's, let's start praying, guys. So they prayed, and somebody knocks at the door, and it's a guy who fixes boilers. <laughs> it's amazing. All right, number 10. For the first 12 months after the opening of the college, everything was a great success. This, he already built the college. Now, one thing I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you later is he never asked for money. People just sent it. God would put it on people's mind, give them 100 pounds, and they would do it. Isn't that something? No, the faith that he had it just amazes me. No, he didn't, he didn't do anything but pray. No GoFundMe or anything. No GoFundMe, no. <laughs> that's, that's Facebook, right? There's no, there's no GoFundMe page in 1904. For them to be able to hear God, sorry. Um, I guess what I'm trying to ask is, or evaluate, is just there was a lot of other people that were listening. They were walking closely with the Lord, right? Because they also heard from God, hey, this person needs money. We know right? they needed money. We don't know anything about who they were, how, how spiritual they were. I, I assume that, that he I said, mean, boom, give $100. And that when God says something, you do it. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be people that are walking closely with the Lord. God can yeah. use unbelievers. That's right. Yeah. A, a, a stack unbeliever will write you a check for ten thousand. I don't like you, but there is a check for ten thousand yeah. dollars, and that's because you believe God. One that I have personal knowledge of: when uh, Neil Blake came to me back in two thousand and seven, I think, he said the Lord's told me to bring the worship tent, the five thousand person tent, to the Mount of Olives in Israel, and I got to raise a, I got to raise a million dollars because I need five hundred thousand dollars for security and to get the tent there. And I just, honestly, I got to tell you, I just looked at him like, and I'd like you to allow me to bring one of your worship teams there. And I said, okay. And I, I didn't have a whole lot of faith on how this was going to work out. I forget the exact timing, but the next five or six weeks, five people wrote $50,000 checks unasked for to him to fund this thing. You can ask him the details of it. But it was like, God must have told you because it was just incredible. And then when... There were so many obstacles. Um, he had to get a permit from the mayor of Jerusalem to be able to go on the Mount of Olives because the, the Muslims have control over that area. And there's a, there's a head um, Muslim elder that's there. He's, he, I think he was in his 90s at that time. And uh, so even though he got, he says, you're not going to get a meeting with the J Jerusalem mayor. And anyway, that connected. The door opened. The, the Muslims, the uh, mayor said, yeah, I can give you permission. I'm good with it, but you're going to have to get permission from the Muslim families. So he, they set up, a, the mayor sets up a meeting with the Muslim families. And as they walk into this setting, 
you got the, the head elder in his 90s, and his sons are all there. And uh, when he walks in, when Neil walks in, the, le- the head guy says, this is the man that God's been showing me in the dreams. You will give him everything he needs, and you'll make sure he doesn't get hurt. And something? that door opened, and um, the, all the pr- protection, pr- approvals, everything worked out, and we worshiped on the Mount of Olives. And uh, so it's that, that's that same kind of level of faith. Neil heard from the Lord, and the Lord provided. Just, uh, just, just uh, the halfway house that, that I used to work in, most, mostly, we got down to one person paying $450 a month, and it was 800 a month for rent. So I, sp- I prayed for it. I said, Lord, you know what we need? And we got, we got the money, and we had, money, uh, we had more than 800 We had about 1200 come in. Don't ask me where it came from. It just came from the Lord. <laughs> so sometimes you just don't know. Okay, number 10, I'm going to go for the first 12 months after the opening of the college, they had great success. There were five tutors or, or teachers and 38 students. Now, at the bottom, it says, shortly after the opening, the second session, there arose a sharp internal conflict, which ultimately reduced the personnel staff to two with five students. Here, here he spent all this time and money building this college, and then he, somebody couldn't get along. <laughs> so he, he turned to, yeah. And God will have nothing less than perfection. And uh, if you don't, you know, if you just are lightly believing, yeah, you'll do it, God, I know that. Then he just will not listen, do you? Okay, then the college went on. I, I'll, just, I'll just skip this number 10, 11. The college went on. This is the, the, uh, the last, four, this is the fourth one they built. The one in the middle, the big one, the big area there is is the uh, is the main house, and then he built all those others. Okay, I'll just I'll say this: he hired carpenters. He didn't have any money, but he hired carpenters, and they made from twenty to thirty pounds a week. I don't know what that is. That's a lot. Okay, <laughs> that's a good money anyway. And he said. He paid them on Saturday. On Friday, it was rare to have the money. Now, isn't that something? He got the money. He never missed a payment. He said for 18 months, he paid what they deserved and what they asked for, and uh, he never missed. <laughs> you know, I, I told you all that story about uh, uh, Roland Baker. That's one of the first... Uh, Stories I've ever heard about uh, praying and getting money and getting what you need. But this, he did it all the time. Okay. Uh, buying the second estate. So he built, he did the same thing. He offered, uh, offered them some money. And, uh, and they said, uh, oh, no. We got Catholic Church is going to give us 8,000 pounds. The decision to buy had been made on Christmas Eve at the price of eight thousand pounds. That's when they, and for, and this within three days he received five gifts of two hundred and fifty pounds, 
300 pounds, 550 pounds, and 25, and, and this is number 13 I'm, I'm reading from, in some smaller sums. So he, he got a lot of money, and he didn't ask for it. Isn't that something? So I think we don't pull on God's uh, purse very much. We, uh, we need to say, God, what do you want me to do? And uh, he had a saying, first request, first out. So he's going to get married, and I'm not even, I don't even have this in my notes. He's going to get married, and he has to ship a lot of people who are traveling from a long distance away for his wedding. He doesn't have any money, but if he ends up with 100 pounds, I think. I'll just round out. And then somebody came to him asking for 100 pounds and a need, a real need. He said, okay, God, I'll give it to him. So he gave it to him. He didn't have any money for his relatives. One day before the money came in. Isn't that something? He lived in faith, and, and, he, and he depended on what God was going to do for him. So they bought this place called, uh, I, can't, I can't even pronounce it. It's uh, in Scotland. Uh, it's it's a, a, a Gwendolyn or something. I can't pronounce it. Gwendolyn, we'll call it Gwendolyn. And uh, he bought that that thing for, with God's money, and he was able to, uh, to, to do it very well. While Mr. Uh, Howell was still, uh, number 14 there, it says, while Mr. Howell was still paying for the Derwin Farr estate, constantly looking to the Lord for his daily needs at the college, God's word came to him to go forward and erect new buildings. The first to be built was a college cha chapel to seat 200 and a conference call for her conference to hold 400. And I told you about how they paid them. <laughs> Just, he said, okay, you want me to hire people? I'll hire them. How many, God? You want 10 people? Okay. They would, yeah, well, they didn't know. The, the, the carpenters didn't know he couldn't pay. <laughs> Pretty soon, though, that they found out that he was paying from God. God was paying for it. It's just amazing. Now, on page on 14, Mr. House was still paying for the Derwin Farr estate and constantly looking to the Lord for his daily needs at the college. At the time, the workmen were engaged. Not a penny was in their hand. But although they, they never, never, that's where I told you, they never had to worry about money. Uh, he had uh, children's home. He thought that the missionary children, I don't know, it's, it's, it's really tough to bring a kid to the Congo. And a lot of missionaries would go to the Congo with children. And their children, uh, I've, I've heard from many missionary children who were raised on the foreign field, and most of them don't do well. It's, and so what they did was God told him to give his child away. Now, that is amazing. There was a need of many missionaries who have to leave their children in the homeland. It was one of the deep and agonizing experiences. And the Bible college at this time had 50 students. The school for missionary children opened in 1933. God told him that uh, he... He was going to have every creature. It's going to be a, every creature committed commission, and he needed to uh, to, to uh, start it up. 
So in the autumn of 1934, in the early morning, he, was spent, he spent many hours alone with God going through the four Gospels and getting great light from the Holy Spirit on the life and the person of the Savior. He seemed to be coming to the morning meeting straight from God's presence. <laughs> That's amazing. His, his anointing must have been awesome. Now, then you do believe that I can give the gospel to every creature without stretching the point. I believe you can. You're God, and I'm dwelling in you. And then the Lord says, can I be responsible for it through you? <laughs> so anyway, he, tried, he said, God said, I'm going to hit everyone. And I'm not going to. Uh, n- number 18 just tells something about Hitler. He was irritated with himself. What, si- what did he sign? Peace treaty with Russia. What's the name of it? It's Munich. The Munich settlement. I'm a war movie buff. I, I uh, this is number eighteen. I'm uh, I'm a war movie uh, buff. I watch war movies every time they're on. So, um, wasn't her Churchill? It was Churchill's the one that it was before Churchill. He's, he uh, went to Chamberlain. He went to uh, Hitler, and Hitler says he was irritated. He said a section of his followers, follower, following were always edging him on to fight England. Uh, England was militarily un- unprepared. Now, if they would have done that, they would have won. This is one time where intercession came into being. Now, I've got a theory about this, and, and we're going to talk about uh, after, we're going to talk about Ethiopia. This is where it started, 1936, slide number 20. I'm going to skip through all these slides. And soon after the crisis, and came, they came to fight for Ethiopia. It was hard and long and seemed to end in, end in dismal failure. As soon as it was apparent that Mussolini intended to invade the country, Mr. Howe and the college saw what lay behind it. I'm going to read this whole slide here. Ethiopia, though through the influence of the emperor, was opening in a new way for evangelical mission, and there was a prospect of widespread evangelization in many areas. Mr. Mr. Now, this is, this is interesting. Mr. Howe realized that once again was a campaign against the enemy in the Church of Rome, for if Italy captured the country, it would be the end of the Protestant witness there. Now that, that's interesting to me. Okay, in 21, the battle for intercession lasted three weeks. Now, Addis, I can't pronounce this, Addis Abba, Ababa, what's it called? Addis Ababa. Oh, that's, just, that's the name of the city, Addis Ababa. Okay, that was the capital in Ethiopia. So the, the whole uh, college shut down. All 50 people were intercessors. And they prayed. They said, Lord, we're not going to, we're going to quote this. We're not going to allow Mussolini to win in, in Ethiopia. We're not going to let him capture this country and this, in this, uh, this place. We are believing the, Ita- the Italians will not enter 
four meetings of prayer, and there was a big burden to be carried, and we are believing that the Lord will intervene and give the Italians a setback. The burden is great. Many feel assured that the Italians will not enter. What did you say? Addis Ababa. <laughs> I can't say it. Addis Ababa. Addis Ababa. Okay, April 29th. I'm, I'll, I'll make it. Look at the bottom line of number 22. Italians march in at 4 o'clock. Now, why did they win? You guys should know this. Why, why did God lose? Is the devil stronger than God? I, I, I've thought about this. I don't know why. Through the intercession of 50 people and Reese Howe, that intercession was not held, and God let let the uh, Italians win. <laughs> okay, now the next slide I talked about the higher purpose. They, well, I just tell you, they they let the king come to their college. They had the king's children. <clears throat> he escaped uh, Ethiopia, and. <laughs> The fourth place they bought was beautiful. It said, if heaven is more beautiful place than this, it must be very wonderful. All right, listen to why God did this. God's answer was perfect, number 24. The expansion of mission work in the country since the expulsion of the Italians has been far the greatest in history. Just as it was to be later in the World War. So now the answer to the intercession could not have been complete until the aggressor had been dealt with, so dealt with that he could not rise and menace the, and menace the country again. And when the missionaries returned, it was reported in the Walamo district that they could not account for the revival, which had been actually going on during the Italian occupation when some 500 converts had increased to 20,000. So the country itself was Muslim, and they, they lost. They lost the war against Italians. But in doing so, they, the king went back to this college, which was awesome in England, and he came back and, and took power, and he allowed the missionaries to do anything they wanted to do. So it actually came off good. His answer was, yeah, I knew they were doing it. Now, I don't understand about this. The fourth estate was, I can't say that, is number 25. It's Penilagra. Somebody pronounce that? Can you pronounce that? Penilagra. The name of the estate. 270 acres, 14,000 pounds. I looked that up. That's a... Uh, that's nothing less than 20,000. It says the former offer, the Catholics had made an offer of 14,000 for a limited acreage, and he realized it would cost him nothing less than 20,000. That's almost a million dollars today. I looked that up at Google. I Googled it, and uh, that's a lot of money. 270 acres, and to get that property, he had to sell all three of the properties that he'd already gotten. So they, they just moved everybody down there, and they started building. And that's what you saw in that picture there, was that estate. 
Beautiful estate. It had 25 gardeners. Huge. And when you drive down the road, there's rhododendrons, all these flowers that were blooming right on the side of the road. It was really awesome. Okay, the fourth estate and the Jews. Um, what happened to the Jews under Hitler? They were murdered. So he felt, this is where I, I cannot understand this, God, he, he felt that God had told him to, to, get the, uh, to, let, to take the Jewish children and uh, put them and house them until their parents actually came to get them. But that didn't happen. We don't know why this side of heaven. But the Jews did not, uh, they didn't need him. There was no children at all. They, they, uh, the ones that could, could work, worked. And the ones that couldn't work, they killed them. Now, y'all know what happened in the war, right? World War II. A lot, it lasted for three years. And in all those years, they were prayed. They prayed for it. I'm not going to talk about the uh, $100,000 or 100,000 pounds. Okay, number 30 is intercession for Dunkirk. I'm going to get on to this. What happened in Dunkirk? The British Army got isolated 300,000 of them. Yeah, they the, the Germans were pushing them onto the, the beach. And now, and while they were doing that, uh, Reese Howell and the college were praying. They stopped. Hitler could have run them off the beach and killed most of them. But instead, he stopped, I don't know how many miles before the beach, but he was in the city, but he wasn't on the beach. All the soldiers were on the beach. So, uh, now, by that time, uh, England was under, Cham not Chamberlain, they were under Churchill. And Churchill asked anybody that has anything that floats, show up. And they took it, and they went and got the whole 300,000 people. It, and anybody who knows about it would say it's, it's, it's a divine appointment. They would realize that God had caused uh, that to happen, and Dunkirk happened because of prayer. Now, I don't know how long they prayed or anything, but uh, let's, let's look at 31. It says, Whit Sunday, May, May 12th, was the darkest in history of his nation and the nearest that Britain had come to nearly 400, year, 400 years to the invasion of her shores. It was on May 10th that Hitler's armor column broke in on Holland and Belgium. And on May 29th, never to be forgotten date in, beauty, uh, in British history, the Dunkirk evacuation to, <laughs> to follow, and it followed shortly by Mr. Churchill's memorable call to blood, sweat, and tears and toil. So they 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 uh, right then I think the, the the Nazis could have come in and taken England. They had I mean they would have lost some ships because the navy was pretty powerful at that time. The British navy was pretty powerful, but they could have gotten a, enough men in in there to, to actually win the war. 
And many times, if you watch, uh, and I watch uh, a lot of war movies, many times Hitler made a mistake. He went the wrong way. When he was, and we're, and we're going to talk about this later, but when he went up to Russia, he didn't have to do that. He gave up on England right when they were, they were lost. England had lost the battle for the, the war. They were, the, the, uh, the airplanes were uh, getting shot down, but not at, at a rate that, that England would not lose. So England would have lost the battle. All they had to do was go across the six miles. Is it six miles there? Challen. And the uh, English Channel was real, 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 real small there. They could have gone across there, and they would have conquered England. And, and so Hitler got mad and says, oh, let's go get the Russians. <laughs> so, yeah, so he, on purpose, thinking he was God, he went ahead and, and went to Russia. And we, we all know what happened there. He, he got all, he almost, all he had to do was go through Moscow and they would have had the country. But God, I think, changed Hitler's mind and he went to he went south, and I can't think of the name of the Stalingrad. Stalingrad. Yeah, that's right. And uh, he tried to uh, to do that. So all all along, the college was praying. Now I had to, I had to think about this a minute. God caused these things to happen. What was the result of their prayers? I mean, the war went on. People were killed. All right, let me. So I, this is what I thought. All right, y'all know what happened on 6th of June, right? June. It was June 6th was D-Day. So that's when the, the ships were, the ships offloaded the soldiers onto these little boats, and they, they, went, on, they went in by the hundreds, I think. Um, what do you think they were doing? I've heard that they were real quiet in the boats. What were they doing? Yeah, they were probably praying. Every, I would say, like, there's an old saying, there's not an atheist in a foxhole. <laughs> and uh, I believe that they were praying. Now, what happened to the thief on the cross? Now, this is Terry Rickey's thought. There's no Bible verse that, that, uh, that will, will collaborate what I say but, or what I think. But this is what I thought. Okay, these men were killed. But they had just asked God to forgive them. Isn't that something? And what's he do? He forgives you. So maybe, now I can't think for God. I'm, maybe God said, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to lose a lot of men, but they're all going to heaven. A lot more percentage than would have gone anyway. That's just, that's food for thought. <laughs> I really don't know why the war stayed stayed on, even though the intercessors were praying against it. Uh, Dunkirk is, is pretty easy to see. Uh, you see that it was a miracle. Uh, even Churchill said something about it. He said uh, it was a miracle that there's a little place in, in England that prayed, and if it weren't for them, I don't think we'd have made it. Yeah. You know, when you think about the intercession for Ethiopia... <laughs> Um, you think about the intercession to take the Jewish children into the college. 
so he didn't hear always exactly. Um, he didn't get it quite right, but God had a greater purpose, even though in the midst of it, you know, the example with the Ethiopian king and the missionary work. So yeah. there's times when we, we pray into it, we believe it, we're asking God to do it, and he's got a different plan. Yeah, and, that's, a, yeah. and the song we sang, he's always good. He's got a, he's got a big purpose in the process. So I don't think we can get, um, we shouldn't get discouraged when we think about, wow, this didn't work out the way I thought it was going to happen. That's, so, a, that's exactly what I thought. Hey, we don't understand God. And, and God will do things that we don't understand why. He, he's not on our, our he, we can't tell him what to do. Because God is saying to us, I know what's going to happen. This is going to be better for you. So there's a, there's a on, my, on my screen, I have a, uh, a screen in, in, in my office, and it says, God can be trusted. So no matter what he's doing, you got to trust him. And that Reese Howe got into that too. He, uh, at one point in time, and I got this in one of the slides here, Reese finally gave up for a couple of days. He didn't come to the meetings or prayer meetings because he felt that the, the Nazis were going to conquer England. He got depressed, but then he prayed through, and he says, okay, God, you're just not telling me. What, I don't know everything. I do trust you, and I, uh, and I accept what you're doing. That's where we have to go. We have to say, hey, I don't know why this happened, but I have to trust God because he knew. It's not your failure. That a lot of people, the devil says, well, you're, if you would have been more spiritual, that wouldn't have happened. Now, how many know that's the devil? <laughs> I, I, I talked about Dunkirk a lot here. I thought I, thought I was going to talk about it. All right, and slide, I just slipped over a couple of them in uh, number 35. It says, May 29th or 21st, 9 a.m., the fear of invasion. Yesterday was the darkest day in the history of this country, especially after the prime minister's speech. Everyone in town is expecting the enemy to invade our country. We have told the Lord our lives for victory. We ought to pray now for the Lord to stop them from coming over to this country. Number 36, from the night of May 22nd to May 25th, Mr. Howell no longer came to the meetings. Other members of the staff took him. He went away alone to be with God and battled through. As others have testified, the crushing burden of those days broke his body. He literally laid down his life. So, if you get discouraged, just hang in there. What's that song, Joy Comes in the Morning? That's uh, everybody, and, and if, if Reese Howe can get discouraged, and a man like Reese, then it can happen to us too. Everybody has been discouraged. Uh, many people, the devil will tell you, you're the reason why they don't need you there at church. He just he'll lie to you and, and tell you anything that you want to hear, but you got to trust God. And that's uh, that's that's the lesson. Can I make a promise? 
Yeah, go ahead. Something just uh, stood out to me uh, the entire night, and I just can't get away from it. And I want to share with you guys in case you missed it. There's power in prayer. Uh, and I've noticed as you've been you know, sharing the, the life of this man, as you were talking about it, the Lord was speaking to me about men like Elijah, and they will pray, and then something will happen. And then Elisha will pray, and then something will happen. And Moses will pray, and something will happen. And in our case, like um, somebody said earlier about, oh, how did the money come? Well, it's not our business to figure out how the money will come, or how the miracle will come, or how whatever will come. It's our business to pray and expect God to do it. I mean, these guys just had this ridiculous faith and God showed up. I mean, how do you make plans to hire people to do a job and you, and you don't have the money? Nobody <laughs> would do that today. That's right. That's why we don't see that kind of miracle. That's so we, right. have to, we have to get to this level and begin to you know, partner with God and say, you know what? If God says I should do it, forget about the money. He will take it. That's the key. If God tells you to do it, you know, like Pastor said earlier, if God tells you to do it, you will make the provision. Now, if it's your idea, then you're going to have to make it work. Okay, I, I, I do agree that uh, the, the, some, I think prayer works. And, and I really do believe in prayer. But, but I don't believe in twisting God's arm and say, do this. And whatever you do doesn't make him do it. He might say, hey, I'm going to do this anyway. So we have to give the power, ultimate power to God. But we, our prayers increase our power. But we never reach God. <laughs> At least that's my, that's my take on it. So um, I just wanted to share in the first half of what you talked about with how this radical faith led to radical provision um, and just give you guys hope. So I left for Tampa for this ministry trip with 70 cents in my bank account, kid you not. The only thing that I knew when I got, when I was leaving for Tampa is what supposable time my, fl my plane was leaving. And as we all know, that always varies. So I got on the plane and I had 70 cents in my bank account. And I'm just going to tell you guys, I had no clue because it wasn't me. It wasn't my decision to go. It was certainly something that God called me to. But I came back from Tampa with close to $300 in my pocket. And there was not a single thing that I needed while I was gone. They fed me. By the end of night one, they had a room for me to stay in, a shower for me to shower in, a bathroom for me to use. Um, and literally, I lacked nothing the entire trip. And so it's just... That is the key. If if God calls you to it, he'll pay the bill for it. Yeah. But if God calls you to it, then you better do it. Whether you're scared to or not, you better step out in faith and walk in it with expectation that he's going to come through and he's going to provide what is necessary to make it happen. That's right. I think that's good. I've I, I prayed for gas. My gas tank was passed empty. Have you ever done that? And say, God, get me to the gas station. <laughs> I had a I had a Prius before Jen has one now. I had a Prius one time and I ran out of gas, but it had a battery. So it kept going. <laughs> so, 
I don't know. I've, I've, what's that guy's name? Some preacher. He's he wears he's barefoot all the time, and he, he's, he's a famous preacher. He didn't put gas in his car for one year. Yeah, I can't think of who he is. I, I, I don't. But he, he, he would say to his kids, "All right, start praying. It's getting down toward empty." <laughs> so they would. He says, "Speak in tongues." So they were speaking in tongues, and the, the gauge goes up. God knew he didn't have any money. That's just amazing. Now sometimes. It's, it's, uh, it doesn't go your way. But you still have to trust that God knows what he's doing. <laughs> there you go. But, yeah, Reese Howe, go to 39, and I'll, I'll read that to you. Number 39 on your slideshow. I'm just skipping a lot of this. I don't know. We're not going to have time to do that video, are we, Daniel? No. You want to do that last part? There was a, a person, the God fully vindicated his stand throughout the war by not allowing a single bomb to fall on the college property, although the town with its strategic docks had some heavy raids. So not one bomb fell on the college property. God probably said, hey, if I'm paying for this, <laughs> Nothing will hit it. <laughs> so that's pretty much what happened. That's in the Battle of Britain. The situation in the country because of air raids may become very serious. We have never walked this way before. The important thing is to find out where God is in this. When you're in danger every night, it takes you a long time to be sure that you're under, you are under God's protection. I like this one here. It says, National Day of Prayer. Our country has the outward form of religion, neither cold nor hot, like the church at Laodicea. May God bring the nation back. Our one cause for praise is that the enemy has not been able to invade our country. Now, if you think about it, there's only six miles between France and England. They could have, you know, they could have just concentrated all their forces and conquered England, but they just didn't do that. Uh, but they had a, I can remember in the 50s, I was born in 1947. And in the 50s, it was quiet. Christians were well thought of, senators were well thought of, representatives were well thought of, everybody loved the president. Everything was in peaceful. And this is after a huge war. But in the 60s, y'all know what happened in the 60s. Rebellion. Rebellion yeah. yeah. So the war did uh, allow for, we, we knew that there was another hand, God's hand, in our lives. And I think that's what made people believe. And that's, the quiet, that's why they were quiet, because God was in charge. Okay, let's, uh, let's go ahead, Daniel, and we'll play that uh, last, that woman. Can you get it? So we're going to do a video here, and I'll show you what the, the uh, school's like today. It actually shut down. And this man that you see interviewing uh, is the preacher of the of an Indonesian 
in Indonesia, they have a church, a big, huge church, some thousands of people there. They paid millions of dollars to have this college rebuilt. And you'll see the testimonies of one lady who went to the uh, college and actually went uh, from her home. And she was in Cambodia. She was a missionary for Cambodia. And her job was to take care of the, the red light district. All right, Daniel, you ready? Go. You're lovely to talk to you. As soon as you begin speaking, your accent will give you away. Tell us where you're from. <laughs> well, I'm from Australia. Okay, but you're not actually living and working in Australia at the moment, are you? No, we're in, we've been in Cambodia now 14 years, my husband and I. And what are you doing in Cambodia? Oh, we're doing a wide spectrum of things. We, we have a, a um, non-government organisation there that's a Khmer run. And we started off with a children's home for eight years. And out of those children has come um, a training centre for underprivileged and rescued girls. So we train in beauty and we train in hospitality and catering. And then and the other, so the, the girls that have been with us for 14 years, they run that part of it. Then the other side of Phnom Penh, we're based in Phnom Penh. The other side of Phnom Penh, we have a, a house called Alabasta and that's in the red light district. And that's for, um, there's a lot of sex workers that live on the streets. And so that's a, a beautiful place for them to come only in the day because at night it's too dangerous for us. We haven't, we don't have got the facilities anyway. And they come and have a bath and bring their children and they sleep. They, because they sleep in the tuk-tuks at night. So they have a lovely sleep every day and they hear the word and we just love them. We just, we just love them and um, honour them and, and want them to feel that they have value. How did it happen for you? There you are, you're Australian, you're working in Cambodia and you felt called to come to Bible College in Wales. How did that happen? Well, I, a friend of mine that I worked with for four, a couple of years in Cambodia, she lives here in Wales, and she was at the Bible College, and she said, I believe God's told you to come. So my, that's how I came to come here. But my heart now is to go back to Australia and Cambodia and encourage people to come here. And because it's a, it's a Holy Spirit place. Holy, it's so real here. And, it's not, only, it's not only the teaching that's so good, it's the environment of the classroom and, and the camaraderie in the classroom. Is, is, I think it's a good part of it that gets you going. And they don't care if you're old. They're kind to you when you're old. But that's how I got here, yeah. Now, Sandra, it's, it's very impolite to talk about a lady's age. So yeah. I want to ask you your age. Care. But you're at an age where the majority <laughs> of people are, are thinking of sort of coming towards the end of their life. And yet here you are, you're doing a vital work, you're in Cambodia, and yet you've chosen to take time out and come to Bible college. Isn't it wonderful? How did that come about? I just think it's the most wonderful thing that's happened to me. I get a bit teary when I think about it because it's, these few months has been so very special to me and my husband personally. It's like God's given Graham and I a lovely time together. And um, it just, I will never forget this has been the greatest time, of, one of the greatest times of my life mm -hmm. to be here. and. The presence of God in this place is just amazing. It's so beautiful. So I, I felt like, as soon as I knew it was Reese House College, I felt like God was giving me personally a gift to come here. And I've seen the whole three months as a gift. It's just a beautiful personal gift from God to me and Graham, yeah. So had you heard of Reese Howe before you came here? Oh yes, I had. I've read his book five times. Sixth time was here. And I read his book the first time, two weeks into my salvation. And in chapter five, where, he, where the, Holy, the Holy Spirit says to him, are you willing to be made willing? Well, I've carried that my whole Christian walk when God asked me to do something that I don't particularly want to do. You know, if it's forgive somebody, like it's hard sometimes for us to forgive. 
I just say, well, I'm willing for you to make me willing, God. So, oh yes, I know, I knew about Rhys Howell. What is it about Rhys Howell that so impacts people? His faithfulness. For me, I just think the faithfulness of this man that he would allow God to use his body. And, and I've, I've travailed in a small way because I've always been a prayer person, but I can't imagine what his body carried when the war was on. And, and I just, like when I first went in the blue room, I was just grateful to him for what he'd done and his faithfulness to the call on his life. And he never, he never faltered. He, he allowed God to just to take him and break him. And, and I thought that was, I just respect him so much. Yeah, mm. I love it. I love what he's done, yeah. And look what's out coming out of it. So you've been here for, for three months. You've yeah. been going through a course. What have you been learning? Oh, gosh. Well, the, the, I've, I've written, I wrote myself a personal letter about this and the calibre of the training is amazing. The teaching, the lecturers, it's amazing. They, they're world-class lecturers. There's no two ways about it. They, they're humble. They share their successes and their failures and they open up the word. They open up the word so much for you and it's a very personal interaction in this, because we've only got a small class, very personal interaction between the, the teachers and us. It's, I've learnt too much to even talk about it yet. I want to go home and process what we've actually learnt, because it's too much to take in mm. now. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, I mean, one of the visions of the Bible College of Wales and one of the visions of Rhys Howell was every creature, uh, the whole world, and, and here you are involved in, in Cambodia. So you're going to plan to go back to Cambodia? Oh yes, that's where we're based. We're, 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 that's where we do our work. God hasn't called us to retire yet. So we're hoping another five years. That's what we've asked God for another five years. Um, we're in the process now of, of training our young ones to take it over. But you know, like we want to come back here next year, Graham and I, because we feel there's a place for us here in Wales too. But oh no, we're not, I don't want to retire yet. Goodness, don't do that to me. <laughs> no, I'm ready. I don't feel like even when anywhere near, no. I, I believe that this place, being here, has given me a greater passion to see the Red Light District saved. God gave Graham and I a big vision for the Red Light District. There's a nightclub over there called the Heart of Darkness and God's told us it will be called the Heart of the Father. So mm -hmm. being, and, I've, and when we came out of, when we left Cambodia, our, our physical doctor said, you two are so close to burnout, you be very careful. And we've had excellent health. I mean, I'm a big lady, but I've had excellent health. Graham's had excellent health. But she said, you're starting to show signs. I was getting vertigo a lot and I got shingles. And, but being here, the passion now to see the Red Light District with revival. And two things I asked God when I come here for was a, a much deeper relationship with him. Because, you know, I don't know about other people, but for me, I let God go a bit and was concentrating on work too much. So I wanted this three months to get back with that passion for him but I wanted a new authority in the red light district. And I, and I, I know something's happened. I don't know what yet till I mm -hmm. get there, but oh yes, I want more passionate than I have ever been to see their souls saved. Mm. When in the West you reach a certain age, it's almost perceived that you're past it, you know, and you need to let go and just retire and put your slippers on and nonsense. put your feet up. You clearly haven't reached that stage It's nonsense. Yet. And <laughs> so, so suppose there was somebody watching today and, and they're just feeling, well, you know, life has passed them by and they've reached that age in their life where they don't seem to have a, a useful function and job to do. How would you encourage them today? Oh, I'd just say do it. You know, I, I mean, there's no two ways about it when you're older. These little fears come in about your health. How much longer have I got? Well, I look at it this way. 
I hope I've got 20 more years yet, but if I've only got five, I don't want to spend them in front of a telly. Don't spend them in front of a telly. Don't spend them playing bingo or whatever you do. Spend them with the eternal purpose. Because, I, I look, I know in that nations like Cambodia, that's the only nation I know, older people have got so much to give the young. You know, and when once God, once you, once you step into God's court, you don't feel old anymore. You know, you get rejuvenated, you get rejuvenated. I would say come to Bible College of Wales for a start because it's a good starting point. If you want to do something, you're not too old to study. I actually hadn't been to school since I was 12 years old. I left school when I was 12. And one of my big fears was I wouldn't be able to study. And I've got more, I've got mostly A since I've been here and I, I've had no education and no matter, you older guys, no matter how tired you are, God's not tired. When I sit down on that day, if I've had three hours sleep, when I sit down on that desk, God regenerates me and I do every note and I'm fine. So I would just say, folks, don't waste your most precious years. Give them to God. And he truly just do it. You're not too old. Just do it. We need to get on fire. You know, I, I, I believe that what God wants to do is not just baptize us in the Holy Ghost, but also with fire. Um, the, one of the most famous students that graduated from this college was the evangelist Reinhard Bonke. Um, I had the privilege of meeting Brother Bonke many occasions. We hosted fire conferences in Singapore uh, where we chaired the uh, conference. And um, so I just met him a few months ago. We hosted something for him. And I talked to him about the Bible College and we, he sort of reminisced uh, you know, some of the old, what happened here in the Bible school. But in 1998, I remember the first time I met him, we, we talked for a few moments and I never forgot the incident. He looked at me, he said, young man, I must pray for you, you know, and he laid hands on me and my whole life changed. Something happened, there was an impartation. And I believe this is what God wants. He, he wants to impart something to this generation of people. It's a supernatural thing. It's, it doesn't come by, by trying more harder, it, uh, you know, uh, it, it's not even by praying longer. It's, it's an impartation of grace that comes from heaven that changes everything. And when he laid hands on me, my whole life changed. I remember it was, I was a young pastor, uh, just started ministry, uh, but everything changed in my life. When he laid hands on me, there was an impartation of, of amazing grace. And I feel this is what God wants to do for people right now watching the program. That He would just say, Lord, would you just touch me with this grace that will transform me, put the fire of God within me. Mm -hmm. I believe God can do that right now in this program. All right. Could I yeah. ask you, just as we come to an yeah. end, to look at the camera just yes. behind me? Yeah. And would you just pray for the people yes, who are yes, watching? Yes. Thank you so much. Yes. Father, I just thank you, God, for every person that's watching this program right, right now. Lord, in Jesus' name, stretch your hands. Let the fire of God touch them. Let the presence of God be so real to them. Let them know that you are Lord. Father, release grace over them right now, I pray, Lord. The touch of the Holy Spirit upon their lives and release the fire of God over them right now, Lord, even as I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. church that he has has about 35,000 members. It's amazing. It's in Indonesia. 
So it's 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 quite a the the, the whole uh, video is 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 it's on new it's on YouTube. So just say Reese Howe, and uh, they read down that whole thing that uh, all all that uh, thing you saw in, the, in that that picture. They've redone it, and uh, now it's it's beautiful. <laughs> it's uh, cost millions of dollars, but the church paid for it. I guess he must have had a, a reason to do that. Reese Howe died? 1950, and um, he had died of a heart attack. He actually, uh, after, after the war, it was kind of a letdown to him. And uh, he was very famous. He would, go to, like, he would go to conferences where there's multiple preachers like the Voice of the Apostles, and he preached the whole time. Nobody came to anybody else. He was just well thought of at that time. So he's quite a guy. But we, we can be just like him. I like the way that that woman said, hey, don't put your slippers on. <laughs> yeah, watch the telly. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that's really good. Work until, until the Lord takes you home. Okay, anybody want, we've got five minutes. <laughs> yeah. There's people that can't hear it. Sorry. Um, yeah, tonight I was just reminded about how, um, you know how in our human minds, like, like there's human logic, like human logic exists, right? Like, obviously, like human logic, like, oh, well, like his logic of, oh, my gosh, God, like you told me, you told me that this is going to happen, right? Well, I believe you, but also, Lord, like I don't have any money, and it just was beautiful to hear just like these stories about how he trusted in God so much greater than any of his human logic. And so I think that's something we really have to get to, like just how uh, Pastor Tom talked about quantum faith um, earlier this fall. Um, and that's part of that whole quantum faith is getting like basically like getting rid of that, not getting rid of the logic, but there's something about like laying down your logic and knowing that God supersedes all that logic, right? Because God is so far above this, what our brains yeah, right. can see. <laughs> so, thank you. Anybody else have something? As a matter of fact, uh, I, I meditate a lot uh, in my most recent meditation, and the Lord was speaking to me about, uh, you know, I was speaking the last time about the laws, law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus and natural laws that we have. And God was speaking to me about when I was younger and would travel with my parents to our hometown uh, because it's a winding road and all that. Um, you see uh, Mirage in the far distance. You are, your eyes is telling you there's water over there. I mean, you see it. But then you get there, there's no water. So God was telling me, even the things that you see in the natural, you can't trust your eyes completely. So that's why God's word is telling us to rely 
on what is written in his word. Amen. It's true and tested. Even your eyes will lie to you. So why would you say you want to put all your trust in that? Yeah, I'll, I'll end with this story. Reese was praying for this one man, and uh, he had 10 children. And God told Reese, you're responsible for those 10 children if something happens to him. So he said, oh, my God. So, so he, was, he, he said he had a two-day trip. So he went on a two-day trip, and the devil told him, the man died as soon as you left. So the devil kept bugging him. On the way home, he expected the guy to be dead. Well, he was healed. If he'd have listened to the devil, I don't know. <laughs> but, but he did say, that's not true. And that, that happens a lot. I think the, the takeaway, you know, the prophetic word that was given, that we should study this. So that was Aswan, came from Florida, or came from Georgia, and said out of the blue one Sunday morning about, what, six weeks ago or so, he said, I really think you need to look into Reese Howell's intercession. So I think the takeaway for us on this is, you know, as I've been asking, okay, Lord, what are we, what are you giving us or what are you, what's the expectation of what we've just done? One is certainly the power of prayer, but I believe it's the power of intercession. Um, obviously, there's times when he didn't hear perfectly or it didn't work out the way he expected, but it was still that he was a, he was an intercessor on the wall. And Ezekiel uh, 22 tells us about Lord looks for someone who stands in the gap. In every generation, he's looking for someone that will stand in the gap that he doesn't have to destroy the land. In that case, in Ezekiel, he didn't find it. But we know that we, we as a, even this morning, we had 30 intercessors, and we were pretty wound up praying for this to be a refuge city. And he brought me back to when, this is about 15 or 16 years ago, before we understood a whole lot, Pastor Willie and I, um, just felt like we were supposed to start some all-night prayer meetings. And um, one Sunday we went to the, um, it's now Longleaf Park, but at that time it was Huma Gray Park. And we stood over the playground area and we just made declarations that this would be a refuge city, that this would be a place where God would rest, it would be a safe place. My point of this is I, I believe the Lord wants us to understand there is a power in intercession that's going to be important for this city, for our families, that we take this on board. There's a discipline. This guy can pray from 6 a.m. to 5 p.m. Cool. Good night in the morning. And so I just want to encourage us to, um, if you hear from God, pray and do it, and let's believe him for it. That's, that's Derek Prince's work. Derek yeah. Prince's um, prophetic, word. prophetic word about this being a, more than the Welsh revival, yeah. and that kings and queens would come to see yeah. the supernatural happening. Well, Reese Howe came back in 1904. He went to America, made some money. He didn't want to leave, but he got, he got more God than he wanted. He came back to Wales in 1904. So he was there during the revival. His wife uh, was saved in the revival. Well, if you ever studied Derek Prince's life and read his book, The Hiding Place, I mean, that was hiding. Yeah, I've read, I've read his books. <laughs> that was Corey Temple. But we yeah. ought to study some of the, the women, too, who have impacted us. 
Not just men. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Let's all stand. We're going we're gonna to leave here. Lord, I just thank you. Just start a fire within everybody. <laughs> Help us to realize the importance of interceding for our, our city and interceding for our church and the people that live around us. Lord, help, show us what to pray for. Show us how to pray. And may we pray, Lord, according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.